And he said also to one who had invited him, When you give luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you, may, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is the first week that all of us are back at our respective schools. So the four of us and our family um, have four different institutions that we are all a part of. So Ole Miss is back in full swing, so I'm in classes several days a week. Rhodes has begun. It has started. Classes have gotten back. DeSoto County Schools have gone beyond introduction, and now we actively have homework and teaching and curriculum and things happening. And then Winnie's in a private pre-K, and they are currently in their own struggle with Winnie trying to teach her to sit down three days a week. So God bless them. So the rhythm of life is back in the Phillips house. We wake up before dawn. We make lunches and snacks, and we prepare. We go over vocabulary words as we are walking out the door, coffee in hand. Life is back to normal. I like September. It feels normal to me. With this, it means that family meals uh, have increased in significance and importance, I feel like. I have a night class once a week, and there's some other obligations that we have, like being here on Wednesdays. And with everything that's going on, we have maybe three nights um, during the week where we know we can get a family meal in. Like three nights where I can cook dinner and we can have a family meal. And with our kids the ages that they are, I find that to be very important. I find the need to recap the day, to hear what's going on in school. We seem to be flung on the four corners of the county, from Hernando to South Haven to Olive Branch to Midtown. Uh, I guess all over the metro. We're everywhere. So the common meal coming together is very significant. It's a part of our centering. It's a part of our family structure. It's important. So without fail, we sit down to dinner several days a week, and the first question Eden asks Corey every time we sit down is, so, hey, Dad, what would you have for lunch? Every day. And I think this started because she would get in the car and um, I would ask her what she had for lunch. But that was mainly because, like, if they made tacos in the cafeteria, I didn't want to serve her tacos for dinner. Um, so it just became this routine, this rote thing. So Eden always asked Corey what, she, what he has for lunch every day. So they both sit there and rehash what meal they had while eating the current meal, rehash the meal they had previously. And so Winnie's kind of caught on. And so she'll look over like, hey, Mom, what would you have for lunch? Well, nine times out of ten, I had lunch with her. Um, we had the same lunch. We lunched together. But it's just a part of this communal thing. We have the conversations. We do the thing. So, and why? It's because meals unite us. Meals unite us all. It gives us something to share. It gives us something in common. And it is obvious that Jesus is an advocate of meal times. That's how we know he was a Baptist, by the way. Um, he's really pro-meal times because he fed the 5,000. And then at the resurrection, he said, you know what we're going to do? Breakfast on the beach. This is really important. He did all of these things. And if you look back, so many of Jesus' miracles center around a meal. All of his earthly ministry seems to center around a community table. 
And then one of the last holy acts Jesus left for all of our communities was a meal, was a common table, a common cup, a common piece of bread. Our Savior left us a meal. So today we pick up in the, in the book of Luke with a parable about a meal. As Jesus begins this parable, I think it's important to, some, to understand some of the culture that's going on at the time. Pride and status are important social issues of any culture, but ancient Jewish and ancient Greco-Roman culture, it was no exception and probably more so than what we have now. Status brought power and power brought pride and Jesus began to regard that part of the equation as destructive for spiritual health. Jesus' disciples were marked by humility. Both on how we operate socially and who we invite to dinner seem to indicate what type of person that we are. But humility meant ignoring rank and ignoring class and and doing all those things so much so that Luke talked about how the guests then came and picked their places of honor. They came in to pick their places of honor. At an ancient meal like this, I did a lot of reading about ancient meals this week, but uh, in an ancient meal like this, those who were of the most honor would be seated closest to the guests. And kind of like Eden talked about, I thought that that meant there was maybe rows or something, and and they were moved up, and somebody got the first row seat. But really what it is, is everything was kind of shaped like a U, so everybody could see each other. So the person that was giving the dinner or giving the banquet, they were at the center of the U, at these long reclining couches on the floor kind of things and the people that were in the place of most honor well they wanted to be at the base of the U too they didn't want to be all the way at the end they wanted to be at the base of the U because that's where you were the most important that's where the place of honor would be and so honored guests would sit at the base and and then you would kind of file in afterwards but Jesus notes that there is danger and pursuing a place of honor. He tells the story of the wedding where someone quickly comes in and grabs that high seat, that first seat, that first place of honor. But then someone more distinguished walks in. I don't know, like the president or somebody walks in. He's more important. And so the host then has to ask that person to move. And they can't just move one down and everybody file down. That host says, I need you to move. And now you have to go all the way to the end because everyone else is already seated. You have to go to the top of this U. You have to walk all the way away. And scripture says that is humiliating in that culture. That the presumption that one that thought he was head is actually last, it is humiliating. And you can even tell in how it is written in scripture, the description how it's almost like they physically move down that social ladder. The scripture says you begin to head to the last seat, And in the NIV, it says you will then take the least important place. It's almost like you can hear the shame and the pain with every step to the end. They felt shame in that moment, shame in that culture. So how much different is it for a guest that takes the very last seat, the seat at the top of the U, the farthest away from the person giving it, a seat all the way at the end, and then the host will tell the humble one to move up to a higher place, honoring them in front of everyone. The term used in the Greek there is doxa, which we know as glory. Jesus says it is glory to be lifted in front of your peers. 
In fact, a very, an important principle is in view here, and that's for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' point is not that we shouldn't want to receive honor. Rather, he's saying is that honor should not be seized. It should be awarded. Jesus is not against giving honor to people that deserve it. But he's against the use of power and prestige and self-aggrandizement to get it. God honors the humble. And the highway of humility will lead us to the gates of heaven. Those who are truly humble people recognize our desperate need for God and not any right to blessing. And then, after all of that, Jesus does what he always does. And he takes it a step further. He explains the banquet and how things happen in that time. And then he takes it a step further because we find these themes I just talked about, the honor and the shame and the humility, the concept, the humility leads to fulfillment. We find that in Ezekiel, in Proverbs, in Psalms. We understand these concepts even in the New Testament. So we can see the groundwork that Jesus is laying for us but also specifically to the Pharisees he's speaking to at that time. He's saying this is where we have common ground. We understand that humility is important. So after he laid the groundwork on how we should behave ourselves, it then requires us to ask the question, how should that humility affect the people beyond us, beyond ourselves, people who aren't us? It's the thinking beyond ourselves that I think is often the most difficult. We live in a busy world, in a world where personal connection seems to lack value. So we must consciously put the needs of others into the forefront of our mind and make it a priority. In the last little bit, I've made a conscious decision to help to give Eden a little bit more independence and responsibility when we're out in public. Um, it's something I figure you have to do at some stage, and we might as well start now. So lately, I've been giving her a couple dollars and letting her pay for something at the checkout counter. Or I finally have let her put the buggy up at Walmart, even if I can't see her all the way over there, which still makes me a little nervous. I'm like, you can take this and go put it up yourself. And she's doing a really good job. Well, this past week, we were at Walmart, and I told her she could put the buggy up, and I'm putting Winnie in the car, and I'm buckling her. And as I finished buckling Winnie, I noticed that the lady next to me, she's an older woman had just finished emptying her groceries as well so I looked at Eden and I said hey Eden would you mind getting her buggy and putting it up for her and at first the first look on Eden's face for about five seconds was like well why should we do why why it's not our buggy it's not ours and then pretty quickly like Eden does she said yes ma'am she jumped up and she did it because I think in our heart of hearts, we know what is good and what is right and what is the kind thing to do. We know the things that are needed to take place in our society and in the kingdom to make things kinder and holier and a better place. But Jesus needed to remind us, just like I need to remind Eden. Sometimes you need a little nudge in that direction. Jesus needed to remind us, and he needed to say, hey, y'all, even if they can't pay you back, even if their friendship has no value, even if they have nothing, nothing to offer in your eyes, maybe we should invite them to the table. Maybe we should invite them. The Gospel of Luke goes on to say, well, you should invite the lame and the crippled 
and the blind and the poor. You should invite all of them to the party too. Not just those who can repay you, but especially in the culture of that day, those are the ones that might bring shame to be around. Jesus went through this whole thing about the feeling of shame, and then he validates the shame in this moment. He said, it might bring you slight shame to be around these ones that won't help your social status. They might not bring you to the front of the table. They may not get you seated by the one you want to be seen around. They might offend your religious and political senses, but you know what? Maybe you should invite them to the table. Maybe we should invite them to the table. This week I was at the library in Hernando and getting some work done after I dropped Winnie off at pre-K a couple hours to uh, hopefully get some work done. That's always my goal is to get some work done. So I found myself a table and I got my laptop out and I had commentaries laid out and some tests I needed to take for school and all my highlighters were everywhere and my journals and everything was out and I was I took up a whole table, there's lots of tables there, I wasn't like greedy, but I took up a whole table at the library and I was seated next to, uh, if you've ever been to a library recently, you know there's always that book table where you can buy like books for a quarter or whatever. So I was seated next to the quarter book section and this older woman walked in and she was, had a cane and she was, I waved at her and she was going through the books and I'm at my computer and I have my headphones in and uh, I'm doing some things and then I hear what sounded very loud even with headphones on, a crash. And I look over, and she had knocked probably half the books off the table. Um, so she had dropped her cane. She knocked all the books off, at least half the books off the table. And then she had a packet of papers that she obviously came there to do something, I think, to fax. And, um, and they fell everywhere. And so I jumped up as fast as I could, and I said, no, 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 no let, me, let me get that. And I, and I helped her into her chair, and I started picking up the papers. And it was going to take me a minute because there was a lot of books. So I decided just to talk to this woman. Um, as I, and I was like, do you know how to work the fax machine? Do you need help printing? How did you get here? Do you have grandkids? I don't, I don't ever stop talking. So I just kept talking to this lady until I completed everything that I needed to pick up. And you could tell she was just so upset. And so I helped her up, and, and I shook her hand, and I said, I hope you have a good day. And she said, well, thanks for paying attention to me today. Thanks for paying attention to me today. It kind of made me step back and say, well, who, who am I not paying attention to? Who am I not paying attention to? Jesus pointed out these groups of people, the lame and the blind and the poor, because they were people that were not seen by the society of that day. Not recognized, not cared for. But who are the people in our lives today? Who are the people we can look into our lives and say, who am I not seeing? Is it the elderly neighbor next door that oftentimes doesn't want our help, but just they want to be seen? They want to be seen. Is it the community of underprivileged people that live in the trailer park around the corner or the community housing over on Sandage? Is it those people in Olive Branch around us or are we seeing them? Are we seeing them? Should we be doing more than backpacks and Christmas presents? Do they want our presence? Do, we, do they need to see us? Do they want to be seen by us? How can we invite them to the table? How can we make room in our lives, not just this space? How can we make room in our hearts, not just this table? How can we see the unseen? 
Maybe we have to take the table outside. Maybe we have to take it outside our walls and outside the traditions that we thought we needed. See, the Pharisees thought they had to do banquets just like this. And then Jesus came and said, I know a better way. I know a way that says we see all people, we invite all people, and everything matters. Maybe we have to reimagine some things. Maybe things can be different, but we have to let the Lord dream with us and us dream with each other, and we have to find a way to see the unseen. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers to half the questions I'm asking, but this week what is really impressed upon my heart is how do I see people better? How can I see more people? How can I make room in my heart and make room in my schedule for more people? I know that if we come to Jesus and we pursue humility and generosity like Jesus, that Jesus does have the answers. That Jesus will show us. He will show us how to see people like he sees people. He will grieve our hearts in the way that his heart is grieved and he will open up our hearts to love more people and to love like him and to love the way that Jesus loves, which is never ending, never giving up and always seeing who we are. So may we never stop looking to those in our community. May we never stop looking at ourselves and asking how we can do it a little bit better. And may we find somebody we didn't think was seen and see them this week. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your goodness towards us and your graciousness. God, often we feel like we don't deserve it.